it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, girl, here we go, here we go. Coming to you live from the greatest country in the world, that is us. Broadcasting from the tippy top of the world-famous Fox News headquarters in New York City. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, a man who's not lying to you a little bit about January 6th. Uh, The media sure did. And now they're lying about Tucker Carlson's take on their lies. The media is a bunch of losers. A lot of people feel that way. And to be clear, nobody's saying January 6th was good. Nobody's saying it was peaceful. But any objective observer is saying the media has been lying their activist asses off. Correct the mundo. We will discuss with Katie Pavlich. We're also going to chat with Florida Congresswoman Kat Kamek who weighs in on the banning of tennis star Novak Djokovic because he's not vaccinated. That's stupid. Use your common sense. I mean, if you were going to talk from a competitive standpoint, actually, the unvaccinated players do have a big advantage over the vaxxed players who all have myocarditis at this point. I mean, I think he's got a point. Oh, I'm being silly. 888-788-9910 if you want your voice heard. In this audio safe space for cool people. I say it every day. I'm not an activist. I'm a talk show host. I don't care what you believe. I don't care how you vote. Everybody's welcome. It's Fox Across America, our family meeting. You can be a Republican. You can be a Democrat. You can be a Libertarian. You can be independent. All we ever ask is that you don't be a There it is. Hey, girl. Happy Wednesday. Uh, I was on the Ingram Angle last night with Laura Ingram. Uh, and we had a great chat. We were talking about Saturday Night Live. And uh, then we got into, wow, it's pretty funny. If you missed it, it's on the Fox Across America Facebook page. You can go to Fox Across America on the Facebook page. You can watch the whole video. But we started off talking about Saturday Night. I'm sorry, Mikey. And uh, did we just need to interrupt the whole gosh dang show to, t- to say that? <laughs> that was a weird thing to insert. I started talking and Mikey goes, and it's on the website. <laughs> Like, but you said it with such a degree of urgency. Get him out of here. <laughs> Get him out. He said, "You, Mikey, you said that like <laughs> it's like the craziest thing. Like there's a there's an intruder on the phone. It's like, oh, run for it, folks. It's on the Fox Across America Facebook page. And uh, as Mikey interrupted the show uh, to tell me, it is also on the Fox Across America website. This is the biggest schmuck I've ever met, Mikey." So when we weren't talking about SNL, Laura and I got into some taxicab confessions. Uh, you know, we were talking about crazy things I had seen in a cab. And I told a weird story about uh, I, I once picked up <laughs> on the Lower East Side a beer-drinking goat. What the hell did you just say? True story. And uh, it was a guy who had a goat that drank, long ne- that drank long-neck bottles of beer. And uh, he was just chugging them on the way uptown and... He had claimed the goat at some point was going to audition for stupid pet tricks on Letterman. And the whole time I'm just sitting there watching it like, have you ever had a check? I don't know. But it was funny. And I did. I had a beer with a goat once. Uh, it's a proud moment in the Fela family. Uh, I also once picked up a woman who got in with two sock puppets on each hand. Like a woman wanted to go to Cadman Plaza in Brooklyn 
and she had two sock puppets that were communicating with me. And one of them was like, hey, we're going to Cadman Plaza. Take the Manhattan Bridge. And the other one was like, no, take the Williamsburg Bridge. And these two puppets fought with each other over where we were going and how we were getting there the whole time. And at one point, they started picking on me. And I, what I consider to be the low point of my adult life, I turned and yelled at a puppet. <laughs> I turned and yelled at a stranger's hand. And I caught myself in the mirror at that moment. And I was like, you, 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 you just yelled at a sock, Jimbo. You're going to have to live with that for the rest of the life. This happened. You're going to have to own this. You yelled at a sock. That was embarrassing. That wasn't a proud moment. But those are the kind of weird things you'd see in a taxi. You know, just spontaneous craziness come barreling into your cab. And you kind of learn to develop a horse sense. And I bring this up because I want to talk to you. Uh, as a cab driver for a minute here, who did, in fact, survive on instinct. You know, you pick people up in weird hours of the night. You know, you got some time traveler with no pants on talking to himself, holding a screwdriver, might want to stab you in the head with it. This could be a problem. And you really do get good at developing your instincts. You really get good at developing your horse sense, so to speak, because it kind of becomes a survival skill. Because, as you know, like in the beginning, you get into a cab and you're like, gosh, I don't want anybody to kill me. You know, then you're sitting in traffic for six months and you're like, gosh, I wish somebody would get in and kill me. Bingo. <laughs> kind of your perspective changes after you spend 12 to 15 hours a day in traffic for a couple of months. But I had a really odd horse sense this week as I've been watching the coverage of January 6th, specifically the fact that Tucker has been airing unseen January 6th videos, okay? He's been airing, you know, basically an alternative perspective to what we were initially told, some things that contradict the mainstream media narrative. But essentially, my reaction to what I've watched, it's purely speculative. I have, you know, I'm not going on fact here, but it's been on my mind. So I wanted to put it on yours because it's a really weird thing going on in this country right now. And not only is there like some type of an odd war on objective truth, but there's a war on consensus. It's almost like they we're not allowed to agree because it's not valuable to the people who benefit from political division. It's not valuable to the one party that likes to run on grievance. You know, they want you to have something to be angry about at all times. They want you to have somebody to look down on at all times. And I'll kind of, in a long-winded way, kind of work you through this. But let's start with the overarching premise. Tucker Carlson at no point this week has been saying January 6th was fine, it was A-OK, it wasn't bad at all, there wasn't any violence. To be clear, he's showing a lot of violence. We're seeing footage of people breaking through windows, attacking cops, scaling walls, okay? Things we all witnessed with our own eyes in real time and we all condemned in real time. I was on the air January 6th, 2021 when it happened. Okay, and we were watching in real time. We were like, oh, hell no, you can't stop it. What are you doing? You can't storm the Capitol. And we all agreed on that. But Tucker's making a larger point that the media's characterization of events that way was distorted in the immediate aftermath and henceforth. And it clearly was. Okay, they had claimed at the time what it was a deadly white supremacist insurgent attempt to overthrow the government. That is a fact check false. It's not true. Okay. They were not storming the government because of white supremacy. It was not a coup attempt. We were not moments away from having the guy in the Chewbacca bikini sworn in as our president. 
But the Democrats ran with a narrative in the immediate aftermath that these white supremacists tried to overthrow the government and that five people, five people were killed that day. (laughs) Not true. Okay, they told you Brian Sicknick, Officer Sicknick, God rest his soul. I wish him and his family no ill will. Uh, But they told you that he was bludgeoned to death with a fire extinguisher. (laughs) The New York Times reported that a woman was trampled to death by the mob. (laughs) Okay, to be clear, any death, any carnage is too much. And one person did die that day. It was an unarmed Trump supporter by the name of Ashley Babbitt. But to this day, they haven't revised their reporting on Sicknick. They haven't revised their reporting to reflect that Ashley Babbitt was the only person killed. Okay, they've carried on. And again, nobody is saying January 6th was fine. Nobody's saying it was okay. Okay, but that's where the distortions come in. Okay, a lot of people on the left don't get anything out of consensus. So they need a grievance a secondary grievance that they inject into these stories. That's true. That is true. A good example I would give you is the George Floyd video. Um, We all agree. Like, when you watch the George Floyd video, we were all like, all right, dude, you can't do this. Derek Chauvin can't kneel on a guy's neck for eight minutes after he's been handcuffed and he's face down on the pavement. We all agreed with that. But the agreement in an election year wasn't really that viable to the Democrats, so what did they tell you? They said, well, it wasn't Derek Chauvin. That knelt on George Floyd's neck. It was all of America. We're systemically racist, and here's the proof. Democrats are so full of crap. And we were like, wait, what? No. But that's where it went. Okay. We all said the cops should be prosecuted. They took it a step further. And if you pushed back against that, you became Derek Chauvin. That's where they, well, you might as well have knelt on his neck. Clearly, you don't care about the black people. Okay, and that became the battle line in the stand. And that's where we are on January 6th. Everybody knew it was bad. Nobody was watching this being like, whoa, good day for America. Wow. A lot of us objective observers were watching this and we're like, oh, my God, this is almost as bad as that time they attacked the White House. Oh, my God, this is almost as bad as that time they were burning down Seattle or Portland or New York or Philadelphia or Kenosha or Baltimore. What the hell is the world? Our immediate takeaway was, yes, it was horrible. Okay, almost as bad as those other events the media told us were fiery, but mostly peaceful. That's what we were told. But the big accusation in this moment by the people who told you that George Floyd riots were fiery, but mostly peaceful. Riots that caused $2 billion worth of property damage. Riots that left over 40 people dead. Okay, that same media who said, no big deal, nothing to see here now wants you to believe that Tucker Carlson is sanitizing violence. It's people with a dirty mind that think like that. And it bothers me. It's the reason I wanted to talk about it, okay? There's this really disgusting thing going on in this country where Tucker admitted, he's like, yeah, it's violent, bad, shouldn't go on. But it's not what they said. They distorted reality. And their response to that is to distort his actions. Like, oh, he's he's saying it was fine. Look what he's doing. It's going to inspire another one. He's doing Putin's work. He's showing people around the, the Capitol. I'm sick and tired of all this bullshit. It's really hard for me to watch, okay, because that's the truth. Uh, nothing they're characterizing his actions as is true, okay? And to be clear, and, you know, this is just my opinion, But what I really get based on the reaction to Tucker 
and Tucker calling out the mischaracterizations of January 6th and subsequently being mischaracterized in his intention is it really does tell my taxi instincts. You know, the guy that would pick up a hobbit who was drinking a St. Ives malt liquor <laughs> at 3.50 in the morning, you know. You see a lot of weird stuff out there in the cab, you know. And that horse sense tells me that in this moment, for whatever reason, there's such a vicious backlash to what Tucker is doing that I almost believe it. like the tippy top of the uniparty, there are probably a lot of people in both parties, okay, who realize there's a lot more nuance to this than we're being told, but it doesn't necessarily benefit them to share that with us. And what I mean by that is, okay, when you look out at January 6th, there's obviously a lot of people committing violent acts that should be arrested and prosecuted. Obviously, you can't make that argument that it didn't happen because you watched it with your eyes. So I'm not going to insult your intelligence and say it didn't happen. But at the same time, there's probably... A decent amount of Fed participation exacerbating the situation. Okay, but it's only possible because Trump had this event down the street from the Capitol. He had a stop the steal rally, you know, because his ego couldn't bring him to concede. And again, I know there were irregular irregularities in the 2020 election. I know there were different ways that we voted that were kind of unprecedented. But it doesn't mean we've ever been able to turn over concrete proof that it was stolen. So I don't want to just go out there and say something was stolen with no proof because that doesn't make you a Republican. That makes you a Democrat. As I've been telling candidates who have come to see me, you can run the best campaign. You can even become the nominee. And you can have the election stolen from you. So let's not act that it's so unprecedented to say an election was stolen because that was the previous election's Democratic Party standard bearer saying just the same. But the point is, Trump created a situation in having that rally down the block from the Capitol. I had called it out as stupid the week before. I had called it out as stupid the day of. And lo and behold, something that started out as stupid got catastrophically worse for this country. Okay, and again, I'm as shocked as you are that anybody would vote for Joe Biden. Okay, but when Donald Trump got out and had that event, the feds didn't say, no, don't do it. They said, come on down. Come on, girl. Ah, you have a good eye, my man. And why do I have a good eye? Because I think they, on some level, wanted this to happen. That's kind of my 3 a.m. horse sense. There's a guy in the back of the cab talking to himself and reaching into his jacket, and I've got to make a gut call on what I've seen. What I really think happened, to put this to bed, is I do think Trump played into the Fed's hands a little bit by having this rally. I think Trump played into the establishment's hands, the people who wanted to be done with him. And I think they took advantage of a situation. Uh, And they were allowed to make it worse. Were there people in the Capitol legitimately breaking the law? Absolutely. Were some in the Capitol feds? My my horse sense says yes. I'm not going to lie. It it says yes. I don't know that. I can't prove that. This is just horse sense. But the truth is no one in the media and none of the D.C. politicians want to be honest with you about the nuances of this situation because it doesn't benefit any of them to do so. And that's why you're getting the level of blowback at Tucker that you're getting. Understand, Tucker is not saying January 6th should be a national holiday. He's not showing the footage and being like, if you like pina colada, you know, he's not telling you to come have a drink. It's a party. He's saying it's bad. It's a bad day for the country. But there are people opportunistically distorting something we all agreed on to be bad for their own political gain. And the fact that him calling out their distortions 
has resulted in such a massive hyperbolic distortion of his intent of what he's doing. Okay, it tells me there is some type of uniform effort being made in Washington to give January 6th a higher meaning than the one we all initially agreed on was bad. And I'm out here in the real world and I know what's right or wrong or bullshit. Taking the edge off one story at a time. America needs to learn how to lighten up. You're hanging out with Jimmy Fallon on Fox Across America. Hey, folks, it's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie, formerly known as Angie's List, your go-to home services, marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. Now you might be wondering, what exactly is Angie? Well, let me tell you. It's the nation's largest home services marketplace, connecting over 150 million homeowners with skilled professionals to tackle any project, big or small. As a homeowner myself, I always have things I want to work on for my house, whether it's general home renovations or fun projects like putting in a pool. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it a breeze to research, compare, and hire pros, ensuring every job is done well. Whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or planning a full kitchen renovation, Angie's got your back. And get this, folks. Angie's pros aren't just any old contractors. They're your neighbors, often running small businesses right in your community. Plus, they've been rated and reviewed by others in your area. So you know you're getting quality service. So why stress over home projects when you can turn to Angie? From finding the best price to scheduling a pro at your convenience, Angie's got you covered every step of the way. So get started today at Angie.com. That's Angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie, your trusted ally in home services. It is Fox Across America with your radio buddy, Jimmy Fallon, 888 788 9910. I am on the Sean Hannity show tonight. Nine o'clock Eastern Standard Time. You'll see me on Hannity tonight, tomorrow, and Friday. Uh, you know, breaking news could change that. Uh, but the word on the street right now, I was just talking to the Sean man, is that we're doing it live tonight in front of a studio audience, 9 p.m., right here on the Fox News Channel. People are excited about that, and rightfully so. And you should be excited about today's show. Katie Pavlich is coming by. Kat Kamek is coming by. She's my good pal from the 3rd Congressional District of Florida. She's going to weigh in on this Djokovic story. It's so stupid. But Novak Djokovic is banned from competing in this Florida tennis tournament because he's unvaccinated. Folks, the tournament is outside, number one. Number two, if you think the vaccine works, as all these people mandating it claim, then it shouldn't matter if anyone else is vaccinated. That's true. That is true. It's like the mask thing. If you think your mask works, shut up. You don't need to worry about whether or not I'm wearing mine. Again, do you call up your neighbor and demand that he put on a winter coat so you don't get frostbite? Of course not. But that's the ridiculousness of the vaccine mandate. I mean, I guess the ridiculousness of the vaccine mandate is the guy that implemented said we'd never have one before he implemented it. Another question from another student. Would you support a nationwide mandate of the COVID vaccine once it comes out? 
No, definitely not. You don't want to mandate and try and force anyone to take a vaccine. We've never done that. Oh, you don't say. Well, lo and behold, we wound up mandating one. Fauci's just pulling stuff out of his butt. A lot of people feel that way. And as we're watching the hearings on the Hill today about the COVID origins, they're only getting madder at Fauci. He should be behind bars. Oh, girl, it is Fox Across America, your main man, Jimmy Fallon. If you're watching the Fallivision, me and Hannity tonight, I was on with Laura Ingram yesterday. I was on Fox and Friends yesterday with the great Brian Kilmeade. Uh, Both of those clips available on the Facebook page, (laughs) as well as the Fox Across America website. I wouldn't want you to miss that as well. We're giving our producer a hard time. God love Mikey. Uh, But I opened the show today, and I was just basically talking you know, about the fact that there is this real weird war on consensus, like a war on objective truth. Like right now, a good example is today is what? International Women's Day. And some people are celebrating it. Some companies are celebrating it by telling you there are no biological differences between men and women. Okay, Hershey's has a transgender man claiming to be a woman in celebration of International Women's Day. Thank you for the education, gentlemen. We've just received a PhD in stupidity. Just one of the dumbest things you've ever seen. But the point is, they'll mischaracterize biology. Oh, men can have periods. That's what they're telling us right now. Not even close! But we're looking at commercials for male menstruation. Here's a news flash. Men can't have periods. Boys are boys from the beginning. If you were born a boy, you stay a boy. I mean, think about that, you know, but they're telling, oh, men can have periods. Only girls can be the mommies. Only boys can be the daddies. Yes, sir. That's Mr. Rogers, and he's not a transphobe. He's not a bigot. He was not trying to lead to a spike in suicides or hate crimes. He was just having an honest biological conversation with the American children at the year he recorded that little jingle. But do you understand the way political discourse works now is the left and the media will present a distortion of reality simply because by pushing back – It allows them to label you as somehow hateful or bigoted. You know, hey, let's take five-year-olds to a drag show. Okay, 20 years ago, five years ago, two years ago, two years ago, if someone came by the house and said, yeah, I want to take your kid to a drag show, okay, you might have punched him in the face. Like, seriously, at the very least, you would have slammed the door in their face, but you might have even hit them. You might have said, you don't come near my kid ever again. What are you, a psycho? But we're living in such a hyper-partisan time now that they're trying to sell this as normalcy. They're trying to sell this as some agreed-upon truth. And the people who push back, okay, are ultimately being, you know, called out as bigoted and hateful and violent and everything and intolerant and monsters and everything in between. And that's how they've gotten away with a war on objective truth. It's now normal to get in front of a room full of reporters, a microphone full of, uh, you know, and speaking to a microphone facing, you know, dozens of TV cameras 
and just state absolute falsehoods with no regard for dignity or honesty or anything in between. And I bring this up because right now in this country, okay, it's March the 8th, 2023. We're a day away from our three-year anniversary. Look at that. Holy, nobody had that coming, but stick with me, okay? Right now in this country, we have had more fentanyl deaths in the past year than at any point in the history of our country. Biden sucks. Okay, understand that. There's enough fentanyl floating around this country right now to kill everybody here 10 times over. But knowing that to be the case, knowing we've broken every record for border crossings literally every month of the Biden administration, Corrine Jean-Pierre was willing to get in front of a microphone yesterday And when asked about the violence at the southern border, is the president technically okay with cartels and the fact that they kidnapped four Americans and killed two of them? I mean, we're not doing anything to stop it. And Corrine Jean-Pierre not only said Biden's doing a phenomenal job, but went on to say with a straight face that fentanyl is at historic lows because of what Biden has done. Don't you have any respect for yourself? No, the answer is no. We're living in the death of shame. There is a war on objective truth. They're willing to get out there and say this. Let me start with the Ducey Exchange. It's fascinating. It's clip six. Cartels kill Americans on this side of the border with drugs. And now they're killing Americans on the other side of the border with guns. Why is President Biden so comfortable with cartels operating so close to the U.S.? The president takes this very seriously. He takes this very seriously. The FBI and other agencies have been on top of this uh, from day one. And so that's what he's going to continue to do Uh, when it comes to Americans lives and when it comes to the safety of Americans, the president's always going to make sure that that is a top priority. Would President Biden ever consider using the U.S. military to disrupt cartel operations? I'm I'm just not going to get into uh, the military and how it's being used. Oh, shut up, woman. Okay, but what is she telling you? The president takes this very seriously, takes it very seriously. Really? Because we are in all-time high in the history of our country of illegal border crossings. Border crossings made possible because he rescinded the very policies that were restricting them. What the hell is wrong with you? That should be the question. Okay, but understand, here's the bigger one. This is KJP saying fentanyl is historic lows because of what Biden has done. You're not telling me the truth. Clip seven. Because of the work that this president has done, because of what we've done specifically on fentanyl at the border, it's at historic lows, historic levels uh, that we have been able to uh, record a number of personnel working to secure the border because of what we've been able to do. Seizing that fentanyl, uh, we've done it in a historic way. That's because of what this president has done. You told some of the biggest lies that I've ever heard of in my whole life. Okay, understand this. Okay, this is... I'm not talking to you as a pilot, as like a, a political pundit. I don't care. Like my party is America. My secondary party is Jenny and Lincoln and my family. Okay, I want the country to thrive. I want to go home and hang out with my family. That's what I do. That's how I'm wired. That's how I'm built. Okay, everybody has their own thing. That's mine. Okay, mine was different when I was younger. Holy hell. <laughs> was, uh, when I was in my 20s. Uh, my hobbies are fast cars and fast women. It's a a different ballgame in my 20s, maybe even my early 30s. I might have had a little bit of a nightlife. Hubba, hubba. But I did grow up, okay? I met a great woman. I got a fun kid. And I kind of think of the greater good now because I know it benefits them and myself and yourself and your family. 
Okay, so when I speak to you, I just speak to you as like an American teammate. I'm not here to influence the way you vote or the way you see the world. That's, you know, for your own thing. That's the point of America. E pluribus unum, out of many, one. We're all free-range chickens. Okay, but every single one of our chicken lives is endangered right now because there have been record levels of illegal drugs pouring across the border. When she says historic lows, she might be talking about the collective pulse rate of Americans because they're dropping dead, weighted down by the flatlining pulses of all of these Americans, the hundreds of thousands of Americans that have died under their watch. But you can't tell me it's a low when it comes to drugs. You can't tell me we're doing a good job in border security. We're so overwhelmed at the southern border that they're now trying to recruit at the northern border because the Mexican drug cartels are now taking advantage of our northern border because it's just as porous based on how thin our resources have been stressed down south. Here's Ted Cruz talking about what the Mexican president thinks of Joe Biden. It's clip 10. The answer is not to invade Mexico. I don't think the answer is to just go to war with whatever country you're mad at. You know, you think about the answer is to stand up to them. When Donald Trump was president, AMLO, who is the same anti-American leftist then that he, he is now, was afraid of Donald Trump. AMLO agreed to the Remain in Mexico agreement. AMLO put soldiers on Mexico's southern border, and we ended up getting the lowest rate of illegal immigration in 45 years. The reason this is so bad is AMLO thinks that Joe Biden is a wimp. He's not wrong, okay? They think that Joe Biden is a wimp. I was talking to Larry Kudlow about this yesterday. And we had this whole talk after I got off the air here on the radio. I ran into Larry Kudlow in the hallways, and he was talking about how AMLO doesn't respect Biden because he realizes Biden is powered by this woke worldview of the people in his cabinet. Everything woke turns to The people that tell you we should be building bridges and not walls. Securing the southern border is racist. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, the border is the front door of your house. Okay, and we all shut the front door of the house because you want to know who's coming in. You want to know who's going out. And it's not because you're racist. It's because you're looking out for your family and you want to keep tabs on the situation. The border is the front door of our house. Under this administration, it is open. Okay, and understand that the cost of it being open is a record level of fentanyl deaths in our country. It's a record level of women sexually assaulted at our southern border. It's a humanitarian crisis. And we're in this position because the Mexican president knows we have a ruling cabinet right now that doesn't want to upset the progressive wing of their party that says enforcing your border laws is racist. I can tell you, the craziest thing I've seen in all my time of being around politics and the levers of power, and I haven't been here very long, is last year I was in D.C. I've told the story on the air before. I was at a party for the White House Correspondents' Dinner. I get into all the big parties because I look like I'm a waiter. The way I'm dressed, my disposition, the fact that I'm not as good-looking as the stars that are there, they're like, oh, this guy must be on the staff. And I get into all the parties. But anyway, I was sitting at a party last year where Don Lemon, that jackass from CNN, was, you know, in a cocktail area and Homeland Secretary, you know, Secretary Mayorkas was literally waiting to meet Lemon, like because Lemon, he was talking to a few people and Mayorkas was waiting like a fangirl. Like you ever see those videos of when the Beatles played Shea Stadium 
and they're singing Hard Day's Night, but you can't even hear it. It's been a hard, but all you hear is like, ah! That was Mayorkas waiting to meet Don Lemon, a guy who says that securing the border is racist, a guy who says that Trump's policies of wanting to secure the border are somehow just based in exclusionary bigotry, when in fact every single person in Washington knows we need border security. In fact, both political parties voted for a border wall, first under George W. Bush and then under Barack Obama. I don't see you doing any better in the booty department. But understand, they were all in favor of securing the border until it became a political battle line. Well, what if we say securing the border is bad? What do you mean? We just voted to secure it. What do you, no, don't worry about that. They won't even remember. We'll just say it's bad. He's a racist. We'll move on with our lives. That's what they do. Okay, understand, we have this hearing going on, on the Hill today about the origins of, the, of COVID. Okay, and if you remember, everyone on Earth was calling it the Wuhan coronavirus, every media outlet known to man. And then one day they got out of bed and they said, well, you know, it is an election year. What if we said it was racist to call it that and pointed out the fact that Trump's been calling it that? And they're like, well, wait, what are you talking about? We, we've been calling it the Wuhan virus. Don't worry about it. Just call it racist. We're going to be fine. And they're like, are you crazy? And they're like, don't worry about it. They're stupid. People will forget. We'll move on with the story. And that's exactly what they did. But we don't forget. I have seen the media manipulate conversation and abandon their previous positions so many times that we save permanent audio on this show. Okay, just like I can point to the case history of both parties voting for border security under Bush and Obama. Here's everyone in the media who now tells you it's racist to point out the histories of the COVID virus doing exactly that in 2020. The Wuhan coronavirus has now surpassed the 2003 SARS outbreak and the number of lives it's claimed. They're under quarantine out of concern that passengers and crew were exposed to the Wuhan coronavirus. And this breaking news just into CNN, the official death toll from the Wuhan coronavirus in China's Hubei province has now risen to 780. Having to deal with it, the total number of deaths from the Wuhan coronavirus, it's now surpassed the SARS outbreak from 2002, 2003. Spreading fast as the number of confirmed cases of the Wuhan virus continue to surge. In a matter of days, Dr. Li Wenliang went from treating patients to becoming one. The 34-year-old ophthalmologist diagnosed Saturday with the Wuhan coronavirus. We have new information about how the Wuhan coronavirus is spread. Good to have you with us. So we start with the Wuhan coronavirus spreading across China. And every one of those outlets who were calling it the Wuhan coronavirus turned around and was like, hey, Trump's racist. How dare he call it the Wuhan coronavirus? There's going to be a spike in hate crimes. You can't do that stuff. Journalism in this country is dead and buried. Totally. But you understand this war on objective truth, this war on reality that we're embroiled in right now, it's so toxic for the country. And the people perpetuating it have no regard for the effect it has on society. Every single person who's telling you Trump belongs in jail for saying the 2020 election was stolen, all said the 2016 election was stolen. That has to matter. It has to. Okay, we don't have a country if it doesn't. And every one of these situations we find ourselves in now, we're getting rolled at our southern border. They're more concerned with the political cost than the human cost. So Corrine Jean-Pierre goes out to the podium with a straight face and goes, ah, fentanyl's at a record low. That's not true. You understand? And the media might eat it up and try to help the administration along. But you know who knows they're lying? You know who sees the weakness? The Mexican president. 
the Mexican president who allows the cartels to exploit our border even further. The Mexican president who stands down as record levels of fentanyl kill record levels of Americans. Okay, the media. Okay, if you're on the left, I want you to know they're failing you by not holding the people in power accountable. You think it's good because they're helping you win elections. You know, they're helping balance out any negative coverage of the Democratic Party. But the stuff going on in our country, whether it's crime, whether it's inflation, whether it's drugs, none of it affects people depending how they vote. It affects them just based on their sheer proximity to it. If it's going on in this country, it's only a matter of time before it's going to catch up to you. Okay, and that's the problem right now. Our enemies, whether we're talking about China, whether we're talking about somebody like Mexico, it's not supposed to be an enemy, but there's certainly somebody taking advantage of us. They see the weakness in Washington. They look at our country right now as almost like, you know, like a joke because we're fighting the wrong battles. Every one of these countries that secures its border is watching our ruling party say it's racist to secure the border. Okay, and that's why we're in the condition we are where record level of fentanyl is killing us and the people in Washington are more concerned about the cost to their poll numbers. Everyone in the world sees it. We really are being laughed at and scoffed at throughout the world. They just... They're not respecting our country the way they used to. Call and speak to Jimmy now. I'm trying to use the phone! 888-788-9910. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. I am heading back across America in the month of April. I'll be at the Tower Theater in Bend, Oregon. That is Saturday night, uh, excuse me, Friday night, April the 7th. Saturday night, April the 8th, I'll be at the Egyptian Theater in Boise, Idaho. And then I will be back on the East Coast at Bananas Comedy Club in New Jersey, April 21st and 22nd of 2023. A chance to come hang out with your radio buddy in person it's a rad time, okay? I promote these shows a lot because you show up, you see who else is there, and you're like, wow, I'm actually a part of something, like, really unique in the world. Like, our crowd is outrageous. I get it. it you've never heard of an event where you go to meet somebody that you might perceive as, like, TV famous or a celebrity, which I'm neither of those things. But the point is people show up to my meet and greets and, like, heckle me. They give me a hard time. That doesn't go on anywhere else in media. That doesn't go on anywhere else in television. You know, if you show up to an event like a book signing of some person who takes themselves seriously and they're like, yeah, nice outfit, you dope. They're going to be like, get him out of here. Get him out. Not me, though. Live from everywhere, USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. There he is. Jimmy. Back in action. Big hour. Of Fox Across America with your main man, Jimmy Fallon. We're also going to be talking to Katie Pavlich, town hall senior editor, Fox News contributor, a general in the Fallon family fashion army. Me and KP love to talk boots and wardrobe and everything in between. Uh, But we're going to be talking in this hour about the COVID lab leak theory, which I think has moved beyond a theory, Uh, the ineptitude at our southern border. And we'll probably catch up on all things 2024 because Ron DeSantis gave his state of the state yesterday. And There's a slob. There's a real slob. I don't doubt that things are getting chippy between Trump and DeSantis, but DeSantis focusing heavily on substance yesterday. And uh, we're going to get into some of that because it was a 
It's a wild one. It was very it's very interesting to see what's going on as the 2024 race takes shape. And uh, all of that's in play. And we're also going to have a grown-up talk about Joe Biden as well. We have a president that is clearly not all there. We have an update on that claim. <laughs> Do we ever. 888-788-9910. That is the phone number if you want to be a part of this show. And we say every day it is an all-skate. Remember when you are a little kid, you went to the roller rink? There's basically three things they do. They do just the boys, just the girls, and they'd have a couple skate. Just the boys, just the girls, couple skate. When those three things were done, you're like, all right, it's an all skate. Everybody on at once. Here we go. Come on. But now everything is an all skate. You can't itemize because there's just too many categories. It's like just the boys and just the people who identify as boys. Than just the cisgender, non-binary, hetero... What the hell is the world coming to? I don't know, but it gets complicated. So to make things easier, it's just an old skate. It's like sing-alongs. They used to do just the boys, just the girls. Now it's like just the theys, just the thems. <laughs> just, just the two-spirit furry. You're like, good gosh, what's going on? So the point is, this show is an all-skate. You don't need to agree. You don't need to believe what I'm telling you is good for the country. Your ideas can be your own. My ideas can be mine. I don't care where you come from. I don't care what color you are. I don't care how smart you are. I don't care how dumb you are. Straight up. Say it every day. Be a Republican. Be a Democrat. Man, oh boy, oh man, just don't be a That is all. Okay, as we get into this hour, I wanted to talk to you about DeSantis. DeSantis was on with Sean Hannity. I'm on with Sean Hannity tonight. Hey, girl, I'll be there 9 o'clock Eastern time. We're doing a show in front of a live studio audience. You can see me in action. Uh, I'm sure I'll find a nice flashy blazer from my overweight figure skater collection. <laughs> I'm eating good now, by the way. I eat healthy, but my choices in my youth have really caught up to my 45-year-old metabolism. I swallowed a lot of aggression along with a lot of pizzas. <laughs> Pizza. <laughs> so silly. The late, great John Candy. Uh, but here's DeSantis on Hannity explaining how Florida is going after wokeness in education. And this is such a winning argument for him. And it's such a winning argument for any leader. Glenn Youngkin, to his credit, out in Virginia, did a little bit of this as well. But a lot of this nonsense is designed to indoctrinate children into a political ideology. It's not being done with inclusion in mind. It's not being done with equality or fairness in mind. Okay, Fairfax, Virginia, this week has a college prep class that's open to everyone, everyone, Specifically, it declares that it's open to everyone except white students and Asian students. That's not right. No, what it is is racist. It's actually racist. That's true. That is true. And what they're trying to say is, well, in the name of equity and inclusion and leveling the playing field, we're just going to racially discriminate against the races that we see scoring higher on these tests traditionally. Now, did these kids that are in eighth grade right now do anything wrong? The answer would be no. No. Is it fair to hold these kids back academically so the other kids can catch up? The answer would be no. But more importantly, in a world of a global economy, and that's what everybody in Washington is pushing, are any of the other countries that we're going to be competing against for jobs 
subjecting their students to the same type of academic racial discrimination? The answer would be no. So understand, a lot of this woke garbage, it's bad for the country. It's bad for the kids. It's bad for the meritocracy. It's bad for people's self-reliance. And it's certainly bad for the development of children when you're saying it's okay to start putting gender conflict into the lives of a four-year-old or a five-year-old or a six-year-old. Okay, but that's exactly what's going on. Now, most self-respecting people who aren't so emotionally invested in the culture wars can admit when their side is taking a bad position for children. Okay, most Democrats agree with Ron DeSantis that we shouldn't be teaching sex ed or gender ideology to five-year-old kids. Most parents do. It's over 80% of parents. Now, there are some out there that are so activists, that are so anti-Republican, that are so blinded by their own self-hate that they're distilling a lot of it towards other people in the name of possessing some type of a moral superiority or self-righteousness that they run on, will get out there with a straight face and be like, no, no, it's good. I'm taking my kid to a drag show this weekend. No, it's not good. Your kid shouldn't be anywhere near that. That's disgusting. I didn't say drag shows are disgusting. I didn't say harm the drag queen, say anything like that. I just said five-year-old kids should be learning to add numbers before you teach them to subtract their genitalia. I agree with that. But here is DeSantis talking to Hannity about things they're doing in Florida. This is clip 11. We're doing a couple things, Sean. One, just a recognition, you know, I can win a landslide election by 1.5 million votes, and yet the left can still try to impose its agenda through all these other avenues to society. So we recognize that threat more than just what happens in the legislature. Obviously, you need to win those fights. So, for example, uh, we've done things like ban critical race theory in our K-12 through schools, no gender ideology. Of course, we got in the tussle with Disney, uh, but second graders shouldn't be told that they were born in the wrong body. He's not wrong. Is there any world where a second grader should be told you were, you're trapped in the wrong body? <laughs> really think about that. Anyone who's been lucky enough to raise a kid, as have I, it's greatest privilege that will ever be bestowed upon you in this lifetime is the opportunity to raise a child, is the humbling moment when you're holding a newborn baby and you realize it is a brand new MacBook Air. You have taken this thing out of the packing peanuts. You have unwrapped it. And you are now responsible for all the content it downloads, all the websites it visits, how often it's maintenanced and cleaned and serviced and cared for, and that it's raised in the proper environment. These are all responsibilities placed upon you. But I don't look at them as responsibilities. You look at them as a privilege. You look at it as the most emotionally empowering thing you'll ever do is raising a kid. There's nothing more rewarding. And any honest person who's ever done this understands that in those ages, three, four, five, six, seven, your kid is evolving so rapidly. Do you understand when your brain is between the ages of five and seven, it's developing so quickly that they consider that the most optimal time to teach kids foreign languages. Kids under the age of seven are capable of learning five foreign languages at once because their brain is evolving that quickly. They're processing information that quickly. They're in such a fluid state of development. Do you know when you were watching Star Wars as a kid and they go, you know, they go to like light speed and they show like those white laser lines in the solar system and then they just like... And now all of a sudden they're in like another dimension. 
Okay, that's a child's brain in those ages. It is so super capable. It is so evolutionary. It is so fluid. It is so filled with stages of development and shifting preferences that if you stop that with puberty blockers and hormone inhibitors and you introduce a gender conflict, like I'm telling you because I care, because I've been around a kid, you are upending one of the most beautiful things ever gifted to us by our creator, which is the development of a child. Okay, and it's really barbaric to do this, to introduce this element of not only are we going to upend their emotional and intellectual development, but we're actually going to physically impact that development in the name of a political ideology. I'm telling you, it's disgusting. And he's not wrong when he says, you know, the things being introduced in schools right now are bad. Do you know DeSantis was reading some of the banned books from school libraries moments ago and the media cut away from it because the books were too graphic? Like, that's going on, man. That's disgusting. It's people with a dirty mind that think like that. Here's a little more about why parents agree with him. It's clip 12. We had a referendum on this on the election. I can tell you parents across Florida, regardless of political party, uh, agreed with us that we need to focus our education on the basics, teaching kids to read, write, teaching them to add, subtract, teaching about science and history. We don't need to be injecting concepts like gender ideology into the schools, particularly the young kids. He's right. Okay, straight up. We don't need to be doing this. If you want to grow up, fine, great. No one is saying harm the trans people. No one's saying you're not welcome here. If you want to go do it, go do it. Okay, think of so many of the other issues facing us as a society right now. Okay, the Democrats want you to believe we should forgive student loans because kids at the age of 18 and 19 take out loans and then change their mind about the profession they want to pursue. Okay, don't always have use for the degree that they attained, and it's expensive, and it's holding them back. So it's only right that we forgive that decision. Okay, now technically, it's not forgiven because everybody still gets paid. The banks get paid. The colleges get paid. They just hand the bill to you and me. Thanks, big government weenuses. But the point is, yes, we have the physical capabilities of saying, fine, walk away from your loan. We don't have the physical capabilities of reversing the damage we do to a five-year-old kid when we convince him he's trapped in a different body. Okay, psychologically, physically, if you start, you know, getting surgeries involved and drugs involved and everything in between, like, it's flat barbaric. And one of the reasons Florida is roaring the way it is is because he's standing, okay, and he's taking that stand for just basic decency, for just basic truth, and again and again. I'm not saying you can't be trans. I'm not saying you shouldn't feel welcome if you are. Go be it. But be it over the age of 18 when you're fully developed. There's a reason you can't get a tattoo. We had this talk yesterday. A woman was yelling at me on the Long Island Railroad about working for Fox News. Oh, you people with your anti-trans, she says to me. And I'm like, well, how old's your daughter? She's 10. Would you let her get a boob job? Well, no. Now you can't do that until you're 18. I wouldn't give her a boob job until she's done developing. Oh, wow. Oh, you don't say. But you'd stop her development for this crazy ideology? And that's what you're dealing with. DeSantis is going to be called every name known to man, but right is might in this moment. Parents do agree with him. And they should agree with them because anybody who's a parent that's truly invested in the development of their child 
that has true gratitude for the privilege bestowed upon them understands how fluid these kids are in their development and realizes that if we're encouraging them to pursue some alternative lifestyle when they haven't fully developed and grown into the one that they were born into is absolutely, positively barbaric. He knows what he's talking about. It's America's number one radio lunch date. Get your hands out of my fries. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Buy your own damn fries. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Something I wanted to introduce to the record. Katie Pavlich is coming up. Jamie Dimon is on with Bloomberg News yesterday. He's talking about the climate, the business climate specifically, as a time when a lot of people believe that the Fed is strategically trying to increase the unemployment rate in an effort to slow down the economy. Okay. Jamie Dimon was talking about free enterprise and how Florida specifically has a, you know, to put it in song terms, you know, when it comes to inviting and attracting new business, Florida is like, you know, the journey song, open arms. (laughs) And that's, you know, he was kind of praising him for that. And I thought it was worth pointing out. Uh, Here is Jamie Dimon. It's clip 31. If you were running the state, you know, you should be thinking, how can I make this state off good, well off my people? So Florida likes business. They want you to come. You know, you come to Florida, you see the opt-in. Texas is the same way. You know, if, if I was some other states, I'd be thinking about why do people like going to these states? It's their taxes. It's their pro-business. They want better life for their people. It's not necessary some of the policy we talk about. So, um, you know, we now have more employees in Texas than in New York State. You know, it should have been that way, but Texas loves to be there. And when you go there, they're optimistic. They're optimistic here. Pro-American, optimistic, pro-business. No, unfortunately, no. (laughs) And what is he saying? Yeah. Texas, my people, listening on KTBB, they like business. No question, as does Florida. Get the hell out of the way. And this administration at every turn has gotten in the way, whether you're talking about too much regulation and environmental stuff, you know, like killing the Keystone Energy Pipeline, or you even talk about the vaccine mandate and how that crippled small businesses. You even talk about enhanced unemployment benefits and how that crippled small businesses. We paid able-bodied people to stay home. You know what an insult that is to the people who can't provide for themselves? We're supposed to help those who can't help themselves. That's the social safety net we're supposed to be paying into. But under this administration, we have increased the Medicare rolls for able-bodied people. People who should be getting off their ass and going to work are now being told to stay home, and here's a check from the government. But you understand that not only erodes their self-reliance and self-determination, but it comes at the expense of of all the other taxpayers. Just hold on to your pocketbook. They just put a lien on your money, your savings, and your retirement. So the story of 2024 is it's starting to take shape. We're going to talk about this a little more in the next break before Katie Pavlich joins us. Is that what DeSantis is doing right now? He's getting in the race. Like everybody who knows him, everybody who knows everything, he's getting in the race. Probably going to get in the race in June or July. Okay, he has a supermajority in his state legislature right now, which means everything he wants to do to transform Florida is going to get done during this next legislative session. 
So what he essentially wants to do is launch his presidential campaign on the back of all of these major legislative achievements for the people of Florida. And he wants his pitch to be make America Florida again. Less government, less mandates, less woke curriculum, okay, lower taxes, big support for the men and women in uniform. I mean, what he wants to do is make America exactly what it desperately needs to be in this moment. Okay, and if the race is a disciplined race where we're focused on what America needs to be. Okay, like we said, low tax, low crime, support for the men and women in uniform, no more identity politics, no more critical race theory. If these are the tenets we embrace and that's what we run this election on, Republicans are going to win. Okay, but if the election comes down to whether or not you believe 2020 was stolen— You know, things Trump happens to be mad about. I'm not telling you Trump can't win. I'm not even telling you Trump's the wrong guy. I'm just telling you Trump is going to have to get a lot better at his emotional and verbal discipline because the things Trump world prioritizes, like writing 2020, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to the middle of the country that you need to win over to your side. But you know what matters to the middle of the country? Low crime, low taxes, education, Looking out for our kids, supporting the cops. And I'm not saying Trump doesn't do those things. I'm just saying his message sometimes overwhelms those things. And that's where DeSantis is probably in the lead, if you're being honest. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon talking about the 2024 election right now. Jill Biden has been out on the telly, your president. Everybody who says, yeah, the first female president. Jill Biden is the first female president. Who do you think is running this thing right now? If you like Biden so much, name three of his complete sentences. So this is so laughable. So Jill Biden was on with CNN, okay? And she was trying to make the point that we shouldn't be questioning Joe Biden's cognitive state because just look at his energy level and the claims she makes for the things he can do. It's like so laughable. Listen to this really quick. It's clip 15. I say, look at what he's done. You know, look at what he's doing. Look at how um, physically he's got the good bill of health from the doctors through his physicals. But how many... 30-year-olds could travel to Poland, get on the train, go nine more hours, go to Ukraine, meet with President Zelensky. His energy level, his level of passion. So look at the man, look what he's doing, look what he continues to do each and every day, and make your decision. It's up to the American people. (laughs) You gotta do better than that. How many 30-year-olds can fly on a plane to Ukraine and then sit on a train from there? Uh, all of them? (laughs) The example she's giving you is absurd. Look how physically, I mean, come on. How many 30-year-olds could travel to Poland by plane? You know, a plane that has a bed on it and a living room and a TV set. How many 30-year-olds could sit on that plane all the way to Poland, then get off and take a second nap on a train? 
Oh, oh, actually every single one of them. I think he's got a point. Whenever they're giving you like a weird mischaracterization, like something that doesn't square with logic or honesty, that's when my little weirdo antenna goes up. Like I said, most of what I'm offering you is intuition, okay? I'm a former cab driver. I don't have a degree in political science. I don't claim to be of some superior intellect. My superpower is that I don't have one. I am a regular guy. It's one of the reasons I get on the air every day. And I say I'm not an activist. I just want to share my opinions and let you do what you want with them. I don't want to be in charge of our democracy because I'm a mess. But I can just tell you based on the life experience that I've garnered from driving a taxi and being around the halls of power in this country and elite media and everything in between – that most of what I do is just based on instinct and human nature and things jumping out at me is like, well, wait a minute. You know, there's a great scene in Glengarry Glen Ross when the guy comes to Al Pacino's character and he wants the money back. He wants Al Pacino to cancel the check he's written to purchase the Rio Rancho land down in Florida. That's the gig. That's the sketch, okay, in this particular scene. And... He says, well, I've got three days to cancel the check. And Pacino's character says, okay, so give us till Monday. And he goes, but that would be four days. And Pacino's like, no, no, you don't count Saturday. He's like, no, no, but Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. It would be more than, no, no, but you don't count. Don't worry about it. And he's like, wait a minute. Why is this guy repeatedly, like, confidently making this claim that doesn't square with logic unless, oh, yeah, he happens to be full of it. Okay, that's what's going on. I'm telling you, that boy's a genius. And that's what—that's the Jill Biden thing. She makes this confidently, oh, how many 30-year-olds could get on a plane and take a nap all the way to a train and then take that nap? Every single one of them. Ah, uh, you have a good eye, my man. It's confidence scheme. Okay, and it brings me to this Hillary Clinton thing. Hillary Clinton spoke. The the Forbes 3050 summit's going on right now. And uh, Hillary, again, still trying to ingratiate herself to the party elites because she wants to be the president. She wants to run. Okay, she wants Biden to get kicked to the side, and she wants to present herself as a last-ditch savior. I can still raise money. I have the name recognition. We need something progressive like a female president. I'm pumped up and ready to go. I don't feel no ways tired. As she says when she speaks in her black accent. But here she is uh, talking about climate change and how women and children are most affected by it. Wait, what? Based on what? This is classic You Don't Count Saturday. Here it is, clip 20. Women and, and children are the primary victims of conflict and of climate change and There is no place that unfortunately, tragically shows us that more dramatically than Ukraine today. But there are a lot of other conflicts, a lot of other uh, challenges that we have to uh, take into account as we look at gender apartheid in Afghanistan, uh, the persecution and oppression of girls and women exercising their freedom of choice in Iran and so many other places. Shut up. Will you shut up? Okay, women and children are the victims of climate change and war and blah, blah. Shut up, fool! Okay, understand, if she was worried about women and children, she'd be talking to you about the southern border, where 30% of the women who cross our border illegally are sexually assaulted. 
Okay, we've had a few million women, two million, cross this border illegally under Biden, which means based on that average alone, you've had 600,000 sexual assaults. Is Hillary talking about those women and children? The answer would be no. Why? Why is she not talking about it? She doesn't care about the women and children. It's the political agenda. And she wants the party elites to embrace her. So she'll say things like women and children and climate change because that's the number one fundraiser for the Democratic Party. Please give us money. Okay. But when it comes to those women and children who need money, those women and children being assaulted by the cartel, you ain't getting a word out of good old Hillary Clinton. Oh, you're right. And when you're right, you're right. And you, you're always right. Common sense from a not-so-sensible man. It's the compassion. It's the, it's the dignity. It's the wisdom. It's the, it's the horse sense of the guy that gets you. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. And if you were following social media last week, you heard that Kennedy and I are going to Mesa, Arizona on June the 10th. People are excited, as you'd imagine. But lest any of you were getting the idea of pulling a Will Smith and storming the stage, this next guest uh, will shoot all of you. She's security for the gig. I mean, she hasn't committed to that, but I'm committing her right here on the air. We are talking about Fox News contributor, multimedia, matinee, idol, sensation, General in the family fashion mafia, Katie Pavlich, back on the show. Hey, girl. <laughs> hey, you're taking the fashion mafia on the road. It's a I'm thing. I'm very excited for you. It's a, it's a big deal, man. Uh, the Laughs and Liberty is. Tour, uh, and as you know, Liberty is my stage name. Uh, but, no, it's going to be a good one. We're pumped up to get out there. How are Kennedy and I going to do in Mesa? Is that like a pro Kennedy and I crowd, or are we the away team? I, I think there, you know, any crowd that you go in front of is a pro Kennedy and Jimmy crowd. Oh, uh, it, it may be, you know, there may be some Mormons who show up. So just, you know, maybe watch your mouth a little bit. <laughs> and uh, but otherwise, I think you're going to have a great time. Arizona's a, a good crowd. You can wear your cowboy boots. Oh, and uh, yeah, they'll be happy to see you. That is way up my alley because I was I got to tell you, it's funny. I was in Seattle last weekend. And for all the shots we take at Seattle, <laughs> uh, you wouldn't think it would be my demo. But the, the crowd was like actually amazing. I think yeah. on, I think honestly what happened was like they were so shocked I'd want to go as a Fox guy. They're like, well, this guy's clearly crazy. We should cheer him <laughs> on. But it was it was yeah. amazing. So it, it it got me excited for Mesa, Arizona, and the fact yeah, that I, you know don't yeah. judge those places before you get there. You know, there's yeah. always some people who are there who need a good laugh. That's true. It, it is true. Like, and it's a funny thing. Like, if if your society is deteriorating around you, comedy becomes like a coping mechanism. That's what I always find yeah. in like California. I was in Sacramento, just the same. They were like the greatest crowd ever because it's like the world's on fire, and so you can either freak out or you can roast marshmallows. And I think we're catering to the people who roast the marshmallows. KP. Yeah, I think so. I like roasting marshmallows. So, I think that's a good idea. It might okay. be too hot in June to do that, though. Well, well un- uh, unlike you, I have been told by wardrobe to lay off the marshmallows. They're like, look, well, dude. you know, you just got to make sure you drink your water. You know, we don't be passing out in Arizona. It's very hot and dry. A Is couple it? rules you got to make sure that you follow, you yeah. know. Yeah, watch out for the rattlesnakes. They'll get you. <laughs> She's... Just take out your boots. Watch for the scorpions. Other than that, you're good to go. Just drink a lot of water and don't hug the cactus, whatever you do. It's not a good look. So much more than a radio wrong. guest. She's also a life coach, Katie Pavlich, joining us on the line. <laughs> well, let me ask you this. I'll I'm talk to you later. I, I, <laughs> I'm going to work big here. Um, should I be touring with Corrine Jean-Pierre, uh, given that she had a pretty good comedic take on fentanyl being down under Biden? 
Yeah. Uh, what was she talking about yesterday? I don't know. Fentanyl is at a historic low. I know. Um, no, it's not. It's actually 110,000 Americans died last year. It's a new record from, from the drug. Uh, you had the DEA, uh, head of the DEA recently saying that the Mexican cartels are purposely killing mm-hmm. Americans with this drug. Merrick Garland said the same thing, the, the attorney general at DOJ, mm-hmm. um, that they're sending it in record le- at record rates and they can't control it because it's a, a synthetics. They can basically just make more of it rather than having to grow it like they would, you know, heroin or um, cocaine or marijuana. So I don't know what she was trying to say. I think, she, first of all, she, whenever Peter Ducey asks her questions, she gets an attitude. So she starts yeah. to kind of lose her. Yep. Her, her her shtick there, and then she makes a mistake by trying to act smarter than him, right? So she kind of tries to insult him, yes. and then she makes a mistake yep. um, instead of just answering the question like a professional. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing she did. Second thing is people are saying maybe she misspoke, misspoke and thought that, you know, his, she was trying to say historic number of uh, confiscations of yeah. the drug. Now, that just equates to historic levels of drugs yeah, I know. coming across. <laughs> that's not actually a great talking point. No, it's scary stuff. We're talking to Katie Pavlich. But you know what's weird is I, I, I watch this. You know, there are moments when somebody like her is cornered, and she does what you alluded to earlier, which is she'll get a little more arrogant and almost, like, retreat to her base. And I bring that up because of Fauci. Like, you remember when Fauci was getting into these epic standoffs with Rand Paul, if Fauci mm-hmm. was cornered on the facts or something like gain-of-function research or the COVID lab leak theory, he would go on offense. And he'd be like, Rand, Senator Paul, you don't know what you're talking about. You have no idea. And that's a soundbite for the people on his side yep. who want the confirmation bias to be like, look at these bad Republicans. But I don't think if you're watching any of the COVID origin hearings today, you come away from this feeling like Fauci was ever dealing with us in good faith. No, definitely not. The science was actually quite <laughs> dishonest and non-transparent and, in fact, vindictive towards his fellow scientists. Yeah. He was actively working to shun and ruin the careers of anyone who dared to mention the lab leak theory because he was complicit yep. in the lab leak theory. And you have the former CDC director, Robert Redfield, testifying today, and he, from the beginning, has thought this could be a lab leak, um, saying that he was cut out of meetings. Yep. During his position at the CDC by Fauci uh, and by Francis Collins, uh, because they were working together to try and you know write this fake paper that they had published about it not being the lab leak theory and it being a natural occurrence, um, you know threatening to cut off the funding to other scientists. You know, Dr. Fauci was known as the gain of function godfather, yep. <laughs> um, and and now he's been trying to run away from that as we're starting to to c- confirm over and over again what we've already known, and that is this came from a lab, it was engineered with gain of function. Research, which I call Frankensteining, because that's yep. what, what it is. They create mm-hmm. something that gets out of control and then it kills everybody. Um, and that's exactly what happened. But unfortunately, given the way that Fauci's, uh, you know, nice cushion of a job was and the way he, he will go off and collect his pension uh, in the future, I, I doubt there will be any accountability for him. No, he's you know he's going to move some books. He, I, I do predict. I've been saying this forever that he'll probably go on Dancing with the Stars because he likes TV. Didn't you like? Yeah, that's true. As someone who does TV, this is just, we're just recklessly speculating here. But I hatched a theory like a year and a half ago that Fauci got addicted to hair and makeup. Specifically, because <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. You get your hair done, you get your makeup done. It's special. There's people working on you, you're talking, you're gossiping. And I think he come to realize he's not going to keep getting hair and makeup if he doesn't get on TV and do whatever the hell they needed him to do. Do you think on some small scale he's just human and for all the terrible things we think he's done, which are true, uh, he's also just a guy addicted to hair and makeup? I mean, who doesn't become 
an arrogant, I am the science type of person when you get your own bobblehead sent to you in the mail <laughs> yeah. or your own saint candle with your face on it yep. that people are literally using in blue neighborhoods across the country and praying to at nighttime while they wear their five different masks that are suffocating the oxygen to their brain. Uh, and also there are all of these magazine covers. I mean, who could not want to continue to grace the cover of all these magazines. I mean, come on. <laughs> Fauci was like a societal crowd surfer. He was surfing like you're right. He was surfing a big wave on the left and in the media. And well, I he's definitely, a god now. Yeah. It's, it's not just science. He's, he's a, a god. People pray to him. It's really quite incredible. Like, seriously, like if you said something to your friends, you know what I mean? Like, I am the science. You would get mocked for that for the rest of your life. You know what I'm saying? But he said it with a straight yeah. face. And there are a lot of people like, yeah, he's the science. But the science really did <laughs> screw us. They screwed us at every turn. And here's another example of this. Down in Florida, there's a tennis player, uh, Novak Djokovic, who can't go to Florida because he's not vaccinated. Tennis is outdoors, number one. Number two, I mean, I know we've both said this a billion times, but if the guy on the other side of the net is vaccinated, shouldn't he technically not have to care if Djokovic is vaccinated? It's it's just absolutely absurd. I mean, Joe Biden is ending this stupid COVID emergency in May mm -hmm. um, where foreigners have to be vaccinated against this disease when we know the vaccine is, is pretty crap mm -hmm. um, and doesn't protect against infection. Um, and yet they're de they're denying the, the number one tennis player in the world from entering the country while they let millions of people walk across the border. Mm -hmm. uh, I think Governor Ron DeSantis wrote a letter um, yeah. to Biden saying, you know, I, and this will probably just make Biden – you know, dig his heels in for the sake of shiving uh, uh, DeSantis. But um, so unfortunately, Djokovic is going to be the, the one who gets that the blowback on that. But it's, it's ridiculous. It's, it's just all about these arrogant zealots who can't just admit that they are wrong and make an exception. It's it, it really is. It, COVID really showed us so much about human behavior. Mm -hmm. And it's actually kind of terrifying what they're willing to you know, stand, yeah. die on a hill for. Yes. Um, you know, like, you won't let the guy in? Really? No. That's that's what we're going to do here? We're not going to budge on that? What <laughs> else aren't you going to budge on? I mean, not, if we were going to really get technical, uh, I mean, Florida hosts spring break. And to be, you know, fair, yeah. COVID is not a top 25 thing you could catch at spring break. <laughs> Definitely not. For the least of your worries. Yo, you, you come home from COVID, spring break with COVID, you're thankful. You're like, oh, COVID. Yeah, you're grateful. Like, Whew, oh, I thought COVID. that was going to be worse. Uh, last, thing, last thing before I let you go, because you know you have no bigger supporter or ally in the media anywhere. I did want to salute you because you won sink or swim against Pete Hegseth oh, on Jesse you. Waters' thank show. Thank you very much. Now, I bring yeah. this up because I need to know what your record is. Do you have an overall record on that show? You won and oh, you two and it three. It was my first time. Oh, so you're undefeated. All right, so yeah, listen. I'm undefeated, but I was I was a pretty stellar champion on Tucker Carlson's former uh, news show, okay, like so, news quiz. So now we're uh, until Shannon Bream, the Queen, beat me, but I was on like a streak oh. of like ten in a row. So <laughs> well, listen, I I lost to Dana on Tucker's show, but I was also told by the higher ups that if I beat her, I'd never work in television again. So. <laughs> You got to you got to factor that into you your net. It was an exercise in self-preservation. They were like, Jimmy, what state uh -huh. were you born in? I'm like, I don't know. Huh? Perino wins. So crazy. Might What's have thrown your favorite the color. Yep. <laughs> I'm not sure. Uh, Katie Pavlich, our favorite guest. Thanks for this. Have a big weekend, pal. Great to see you. Or hear you, Jimmy. Talk to you soon. <laughs> see you. There she goes. The great Katie Pavlich undefeated. On sink or swim. I didn't want to steal her thunder, but I'm two and oh, I've never lost on sink or swim.
I have won Tucker's game. I have won Kennedy's game. But my overall record in all of these contests is really like three wins and like ten losses. But they don't need to know that. As far as I'm concerned, I'm the champ. So we will continue to defend the title in the next hour. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Is it ever? And we are coming to you live from the greatest country in the world, broadcasting as we always do from the tippy top of the world-famous Fox News headquarters in New York City, lacing them up for a track meet on Fox Across America. And I know you don't think of track when you think of a guy in... My physique, I mean, seriously, you're not looking out at me and thinking track star. That boy is a P.I.G. pig. We are going for the gold in this hour with Florida Congresswoman Kat Kamek from the 3rd Congressional District, who's going to weigh in on all things America. If it's going on out there in the country, we're talking about it here. But we are going to zero in on her home state in this hour. Why? Because the Biden administration is banning Novak Djokovic from coming into Florida for a tennis tournament because he's not vaccinated. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? It's bizarre. So Biden has announced that he would end the COVID emergency in May, which is absurd because it's, you know, it's a virus. It doesn't give you like an ETA, like it's following a navigation system to get here. Well, I'm on the Waze app. It says uh, the end of the virus will be May 10th. It's, it's not how viruses work, okay? Never mind that. COVID, not something I'm telling you is fake or something you shouldn't take seriously. But the point is it poses zero threat at an outdoor tennis tournament, number one. Number two, we now know through the targeted data we have on COVID that it primarily affects two groups of people, elderly Americans with underlying health complications and morbidly obese people, people that are like me. They're eating so much that their employer has to pay somebody to knock the food out of their hands. Put that cookie down now. Okay, knowing that to be the case, the idea that an actual superior world-class athlete, the best tennis player in the world, maybe, okay, isn't allowed to come play tennis at an outdoor event defies any logic, defies any science. Okay, defies any law or fairness or standard of fairness you could possibly consider under the circumstances. So what Ron DeSantis did yesterday, which I found very funny, is uh, he sent a letter to Joe Biden uh, urging him to let to let Djokovic play in the Miami Open and asking if it would be okay for Djokovic to come into the country by boat seeing as Biden doesn't enforce any of these COVID policies for any of the people coming here illegally. Biden is such a disaster. Think about this, okay? In the, uh, the only thing keeping, no, here's a little bit of the letter. The only thing keeping Novak Djokovic from participating in the Miami Open Tennis Tournament is President Biden's misguided and unscientific COVID-19 vaccination requirement for foreign travelers. This is what DeSantis tweeted along with a copy of his letter in the letter. He referenced an October 2021 proclamation by Biden that banned non-U.S. citizens from traveling to America. They couldn't come by air without proof of being fully vaccinated against COVID-19. So the issue here is if Djokovic, if you're flying to America by plane, you have to have proof of vaccination. Okay, if you're walking into America on foot, do you need any vaccination requirements at all? The answer would be no. And when there's a double standard... There's no standard. 
Okay, the virus doesn't know the difference between walking here, flying here, boating here, you know, coming in on the jetpack. The virus wouldn't know the difference. Djokovic applied for a waiver. The Department of Homeland Security rejected the waiver request. Would have allowed him, you know, he's a Serbian native, to enter the U.S. without being vaccinated. And here it is. This is so crazy. Okay, DeSantis noted this in his letter. Since the onset of COVID-19, Mr. Djokovic has visited the United States twice, including once during your presidency, without any apparent health incident, DeSantis wrote, adding, it is also not clear to me why, even by the terms of your own proclamation, Mr. Djokovic could not legally enter this country via boat. Please confirm no later than Friday, March 10th, that this method of travel into Florida would be permissible. And essentially, what is he doing? He's picking a fight with Biden along very basic common sense lines. Okay, there's no nobody in their right mind who's been paying any attention whatsoever thinks the vaccine is stopping anyone from getting COVID. I mean, let's just start there. Vaccinated people are getting COVID as much and in some instances more often than unvaccinated people. Never mind that they finally got around to admitting that natural immunity qualifies for inoculation against the virus, a science that we were denying up until a few weeks ago. There's a revisionist history going on with COVID now. The New York Times published a study admitting that masks don't work. Okay, we're now openly admitting that the vaccine doesn't stop transmission of the virus. In fact, the month of August, which is the most recent month of data we had available to us, showed that the majority of people who died from COVID that month all happened to be vaccinated, which means the vaccine, I don't know, maybe it offers you a layer of protection. I'm not even quite sure. Okay, but the idea that in an outdoor stadium, an athlete can't compete against other elite athletes, the least susceptible people to this virus among us, it's absurd to think they wouldn't waive this sort of thing. But you see what's happened here, not only to Djokovic, okay, and other, you know, potential visitors who might come here, is that they've gotten caught up in a culture war issue. The vaccine mandate, just so you understand, was a, a culture war issue engineered by the Biden administration, just like COVID was engineered in a Wuhan lab. Okay, the vaccine mandate was engineered by the Biden administration. And what I mean by this, and if you've been with this show for a while, first of all, thank you. This really means a lot to me because, uh, good gosh, when you get into the ring with as little as I'm bringing intellectually, I need all the help I can get over here. I think he's got a point. <laughs> no, really. But stick with me. Okay, the way the vaccine mandate came about, just so we're clear, is literally weeks before the mandate was passed down, the entire Biden administration was saying they'd never be mandatory. So let's just start there. Are you ready? Here we go. No, I don't think it should be mandatory. I wouldn't demand to be mandatory. But Perhaps the federal government should step in and issue mandates. And if not, are you putting the needs of unvaccinated people ahead of the needs of vaccinated people? Well, I think the question here, one, that's not the role of the federal government. Um, that is the role that institutions, private sector entities, uh, and others may take. That certainly is appropriate. Also, local communities uh, are going to take uh, steps they need to take. I don't think you'll ever see a mandating of vaccine, particularly for the general public. Democrats are so full of crap. No, you'll never see a mandate of the vaccine. Fauci went on to say no more. No more. He's, he said it more than once. Another question from another student. Would you support a nationwide mandate of the COVID vaccine once it comes out? No, definitely not. You don't want to mandate and try and force anyone 
to take a vaccine. We've never done that. We don't want to be mandating from the federal government to the general population. It would be unenforceable and not appropriate. Huh. You don't say. He should be behind bars. Isn't that weird? So how did we go from you don't want to do that? We've never done that. It's not right. It's not fair. It's not legal. To overnight, they were like, mandate. Mandate or you're fired. Mandate or you're banned from the country. Mandate or you can't go out to dinner, can't go to the store, can't get a job. Mandate. How did we go from no mandate to absolute maximum strength mandate? And the truth is, and this is the truth. This is politics as usual. Politics. Okay, the vaccine mandate was not done with science in mind. The vaccine wasn't purely done with science in mind. When the head of Pfizer International testifies before the European Parliament that they never even tested this vaccine to see if it stops transmission, understand that, yeah, maybe it was out there to lessen symptoms, but you know what it was primarily there to do? Get people paid. Money, 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 money. As far as the pharmaceutical industry is concerned, Mama needs new shoes. Come on, girl. Come on down. Get that mandate, girl. And they made that money. But as far as the government was concerned, as far as Biden and Fauci and everybody else you heard in that montage saying they wouldn't mandate a vaccine, they actually needed a culture war. Okay, in a post-Afghan troop withdrawal, understand that in the month of August 2021, Joe Biden was polling 13 points into the positive. But then the Afghan troop withdrawal happened. You know, that moment where he decided to take the troops out ahead of the civilians. That's stupid. Use your common sense. Is it ever? And they got on TV and they said, don't worry. The Afghan army's not going to collapse. It's a fierce fighting force. Going to be fine. Come on. Don't bullshit me. It collapsed within days of him saying that. And at the very moment Joe Biden was on TV assuring us it wouldn't collapse, the president of Afghanistan had rounded up all the money he could get, hopped on a boat, and left the country. Because that's how certain he was it was going to collapse. But after watching the country collapse, after watching American service members get killed, after watching people clinging to the wheels of cargo jets, babies tossed over barbed wire fences, okay, Biden realized they were in a really bad spot politically. He went on TV, tried to sell it to the American people as an actual success is what he did in that moment. What an idiot. No, it's successful. You don't understand. It's the best, most successful airlift in the history of the country. Okay, and it so compromised him politically because he looked like an idiot. And so what they did in that moment, knowing that their base, knowing that the politics are the only thing that matter, is they created a culture war issue. We went from, hey, we've got this vaccine that none of us trusted on the campaign trail to, hey, you've all got to take it or you're going to get people killed. That was the pivot. Understand, it started out. Under Trump, when this vaccine was developed, with them saying it was garbage. Let's just say there's a vaccine that is approved and even distributed before the election. Would you get it? Well, I think that's going to be an issue for all of us. Ooh. If and when the vaccine comes. It's not likely to go through all the tests that needs to be and the trials that are needed to be done. When we finally do, God willing, get a vaccine, who's going to take the shot? Who's going to take the shot? Wow. Does that sound like two people who think the federal government should be forcing that very vaccine on everybody else? Mm. Think about that.
He's flat out telling you it's not likely to go through all the proper trials. When we finally get the vaccine, who's going to take the shot? Okay, understand the vaccine he's talking about is the one he's forcing on people, is the one he's saying Novak Djokovic has to have in order to be in this country. And they went from who the hell is going to take this thing to shame on anybody who won't take it. Not getting vaccines. It's time to start shaming them. Because frankly, we know that we can't trust the unvaccinated. F*** them, f*** their freedom. I want my freedom to live. No, screw your freedom. You're a schmuck for not wearing a mask. We have to stop coddling the morons who will not get the shot. Shame on you. I'm surrounded by idiots. But do you see how quickly those people who went from Trump's making this vaccine, it's garbage. Who's going to take it? Do you understand if Trump won the election, 70 percent of the country would be unvaccinated right now because the Democrats wouldn't have taken it. They would have been like, no way. This didn't go through the proper trials. This is a Trump vaccine. They certainly wouldn't wanted to give him credit for the win. And they would have all abstained from taking it and never would have been mandated on you and me. But because they needed to rally the base, they needed a culture war issue in a post-Afghan world where the troop withdrawal had cratered Joe Biden's approval rating, he pivoted from who the hell is going to take this thing to everybody better take this thing. Why? Because he knows his base runs on self-righteousness. We know better than these dopey MAGA Midwesterners, the flyover states, these idiots. They're eating horse paste. That's what they said about ivermectin something that was given a Nobel Peace Prize in 2015 for treating humans for malaria. But that's what this has always been about. The COVID response was about how you could tarnish Republicans, how you could sell moral superiority and self-righteousness to self-hating white people who need to hate the middle of the country so they don't have to look inward at the things they hate about themselves. So do you understand at a time when we know vaccinated people are getting COVID just as much as the unvaccinated in a lot of instances more, When we know that vaccinated people are dying from COVID just as much as the unvaccinated in a lot of instances more, we know there cannot possibly be any science behind Novak Djokovic being banned from the state of Florida other than the political science, which is exactly why we are where we are. Let Joe tell you how it will be. He'll fire you so easily Cause Joe's the Vax Man Yeah, he's the Vax Man He's vaccinating one and all From young adults and kids real small Cause Joe's the Vax Man Yeah, he's the Vax Man If you drive a truck, trailer Vax your seat If you own a farm, he'll Vax your weeds If you're serving food, he'll Vax your eats If you're anti-Vax Man, he'll let you choose Vax Go anywhere. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. We'll be right back. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. 
doing the damn thing on the radio. I'll be on the TV tonight with Sean Hannity at 9 o'clock Eastern Time uh, on Hannity. Uh, tomorrow, if you're waking up early, I am on Fox and Friends first at 5.34 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, six hours later, I will be on the Faulkner Focus at 11.30 in the morning. And then on 9 o'clock tomorrow night, I will be on the Sean Hannity Show yet again. I love the people, though, who reach out to me. And they're always like, yo, bro, when do you sleep? I watched you at 5 a.m. Then I watched you at 11 a.m. Then I watched you 9.30 at night. And I'm like, yo, bro, when do you sleep? I think he's got a point. Because <laughs> I, I get plenty of sleep. When I'm driving home, I get some of the best sleep in the world when I'm behind the wheel. True story dating back to my 20s. Uh, I have wrecked my car twice when I was asleep. So be very careful about, like, you know, dozed off driving and, uh, you know, tired driving and fatigue driving and everything like that. Uh, it's something I've done twice as a driver in my 20s, oddly enough. Not in my 30s or my 40s, which is crazy because I'm certainly not in better shape now than I was then. Uh, but it's one of the reasons we do the peppy show that we do. I always say we're like radio rumble strips. There's a lot of talk shows out there that are boring. They're just you know, political bile distilleries. They just want you to get upset, get you mad, and they drone on. You know, you, know, you start dozing off. Next thing you know, you're slapping your face, your fish hook in your mouth. When Lincoln and I flew into Sacramento, when we were in Reno last, we were at the Carson Nugget, which is still one of my favorite places in the history of the world to do comedy. Uh, and great, just the best crowds. But me and Lincoln and I flew into Sacramento because we needed a nonstop flight. And we went out to Mel's Diner because Mel's Diner is our favorite thing on the West Coast. We love a good Mel's. If you're in California, you know Mel's well. So Lincoln and I went, flew in. We got into Sacramento at 1.30 in the morning and went right to Mel's for a 2 a.m. victory meal. But then there was the small matter of us having to drive across California to Reno like two hours at 3.30 in the morning. That can't be good. Well, we bulldogged it right across the state, blasting music, laughing it up, having a good time. And then by the time we got to Reno, I did. I actually got like really, really tired and brought back brought me back to where I was in my 20s, which was like getting some of the best sleep of my life behind the wheel of a taxi with people in the back like, hey, wake up. What are you doing? So the point is we continue on this show with that in mind. Everybody listening, stay tuned because we are your radio rumble strips. We will keep you wide awake with a little help from Kat Kamek from the state of Florida after this. There it is, Fox Across America with your main man, Jimmy Fallon. So excited to talk to this next guest. I'm going to try not to get emotional. Hold it together, Jimbo. She's a superstar representative from the 3rd Congressional District of Florida, but she is, of course, number one in our hearts. I'm talking about Representative Kat Kamek. Hey, girl. Hey. There you are. Um, (laughs) So nice. Wait, hold on a second. Yep. Okay, there we go. Cat, I can hear you. Cat Kamek joining us from the trunk of a car. Uh, I can't. <laughs> Don't be telling my secrets, Jimmy. <laughs> Let me throw this at you. Uh, you don't know this, okay. but two hours south of your district, by my math, I'm mm-hmm. going to be in Clearwater on May the 20th. Ooh. Kennedy and I are doing a stand-up show at the Capitol Theater down in Clearwater. Is that fair to say it's Ooh. two hours south of your district? About, right? Like Gainesville to Tampa, would you not say? 
Yeah, I mean, I'm Ocala, which is even further south. So, oh, whoa, whoa. Yeah, yeah. Oh, hey. I yeah, so basically an hour and a half listen, away is, I, at, is where at, you will be. At two hours, I was going to let you get out of going. At an hour and a half, you're dead to me if you don't show up. <laughs> when is this? When this is this? Saturday night, May happening? the 20th, Kamek. Saturday night, May 20th. And I'm okay. not I'm, I'm not obligating you, but Jim Jordan is going to my show in July in St. Mary's in Ohio. But th- not oh, that, is that oh, yeah. this is the game we're playing. I see. Not I see. that I'm putting pressure on you based on other members who've been in Congress longer. Just stick with me. Let's have a conversation. <laughs> but how you been? Is every, everything's good? Um, everything's going well. Well, how are you? Uh, better now. You know, you're always good for morale. But there's something I wanted to throw at you because it's going on in your home state and it has to do with tennis. And I'm not a big tennis guy, but I think it's kind of ridiculous that Novak Djokovic can't fly into Florida to play tennis outdoors because he's not vaccinated. What's going on? Honestly, my recommendation, and I'm really seriously thinking about putting this out on social media, but now it's going to be out to the world. He should just cross the southern border because if you come across, the, if you come through at any point in the south, the, the southwest border, mm-hmm. you you have a voluntary vaccination. <laughs> you, they, they'll, they'll, they don't even say anything. And they're like, oh, you vaccinated? You say no. And they're like, do you want one? You say no. They're like, okay, come on in. It's fine. <laughs> so you're telling me uh, Djokovic should bring a child that may or may not be his and declare that he wants some type of asylum. <laughs> <laughs> and go win this tournament. No, no, I respect it. Absolutely. I, it would Absolutely. work. It would work. It would. It, it would. I'm but, telling you, there's something here, Jimmy. But there's, there's a thing. something here. Okay, I, listen, no one has ever copied off me on a science test. I don't know where you ranked in your class, but, <laughs> but <laughs> I don't mean to compete, okay? We've all got our fair share of summer school stories on this show, but stick with me. There's no You were, you were the guy, Jimmy, yeah. who put the answers on the inside of the water bottle. <laughs> and then put the label back on, and then you would tip your bottle just so you could magnify the, the I, micro writing, I, right? I, yo, that was uh, you. Uh, Representative Kamek, I got to tell you, for someone who never cheated on a test, that's some pretty specific analysis right there. Listen, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. <laughs> you're like, uh, you, were the, you were the guy that would make sure the barometric pressure in the classroom was below 42 degrees and bang on a gas. <laughs> if the letter was B, hit the garbage can. I'm like, what's going on? It's very insightful here. Woo! Good to know. No, I was I was old school. I actually listen. I I actually got decent grades uh, till high school, and then I was like a little bit of a wild child. But it all leveled out. I'm not complaining. Uh, I'm happy for the path I have chosen. But I'm just trying to make the point that even though you know I would have graduated last in my class if I was homeschooled, you know. But the point is, even I know there's no science to what's going on. So it does seem mm-hmm. like Djokovic is kind of the victim of a, like a political culture war because that's all the vaccine mandate was. Yeah, exactly. They're trying to make a point and, and they're holding on to any last shred of credibility that they have. But, I mean, it, what is so wild to me is that this week we'll be voting on declassifying origins of COVID. Uh, you know, all of these these emails are coming out where even Fauci is saying, you know, begrudgingly, you know, the efficacy of these vaccines is mm. is not what we've been telling people. I, I mean, it is ridiculous. The emergency declaration has been extended for one reason and one reason only, and that is money. Mm-hmm. It's because there's a half a trillion dollars that Biden is trying to get out the door in obligated funds, COVID relief funds, mm-hmm. I'm using air quotes now, yep. that that is designed to go to blue areas, blue states, because they know that in 24, 
they're going to need to do everything they can to buy the election. That is all this is. This is not based on anything but the money and votes. Wow. And certainly not the science, and we know that. It's such a racket. We're talking to Representative Kat Kamek from the 3rd Congressional Look District at that. Look at that tennis pun, Jimmy. I know. I loved it. I thought it was impressive. I thought it was, it was very well executed. This very, is good fundamental radio. <laughs> well, <laughs> did you not find it laughable that China, like, took shots at us yesterday and said we were the bad guys? Yes. I mean, what is up with them? They're getting very um, – very saucy here recently you know and 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 one of the things that stuck out to me was the word uh distort they said you know america is distorting uh people's worldview of us you know and i'm like that's pretty rich coming from a nation that has really written the book on how to distort anything and everything you know oh manipulate the currency we we wrote the book on that you know that's china to the t uh, human rights records, man, we can distort up a human rights record. Genocide, no problem. It's ridiculous. <laughs> and it, it seems like they are of that that quintessential person who accuses everyone around them of the behavior that they themselves are engaging in. Oh, it's so true. That is 100% what they're doing. It's so true. Like, it's it's very much like China has gone into, like, real housewives mode where they're getting sassy and mouthy, and it's them. But <laughs> But, but the only difference is, like, Biden is not going to throw a glass of wine. He's going to throw a can of Ensure, you know? <laughs> Does that mean, like, in the meme that we are we're the cat yeah. and China is angrily pointing at us? I know that meme. I know that meme, Cat Kamek. That's hilarious. That's so funny. That just makes me happy. All right, let me ask you about this then, since I got you on the phone and you have no filter. Um, let's just do this. Corrine uh, Jean Pierre said yesterday that the Biden administration has brought fentanyl down to historic lows. Did she misspeak? Are we living in the death of shame? What happened? She's just really bad at her job. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't. I, there are no words left to describe how horrifically awful she is at her job. I, I mean, I've never ever seen a White House press secretary who can just one hundred percent lie through their teeth. And if it's not lying, then it is complete ignorance. Mm-hmm. It, it just completely oblivious of facts or truth, it is wild to me. I I mean, I I was at the border recently with one of my committees doing a fentanyl hearing. Mm -hmm. And the Democrat witness, uh, she said, and I couldn't believe this, I about fell out of my chair. She said, I'm not sure why we're here at the border, because there's no connection between fentanyl and the border. What? And I, I, uh, yes. Jimmy, I'll have to send you the clip. I about lost my mind. And I happened to have a a picture of a brick of fentanyl that had just been found in my district in Florida. And it was 958 grams of fentanyl. And it had the stamp of a border cartel on it. And I'm thinking, I had to present it to her. I said, this is the connection. And for whatever reason, the, the Democrats have gone off the reservation saying that there's no connection, that this isn't real. But you, it's pretty hard to ignore 300 people a day dying of fentanyl poisoning. So that's yeah. not – these aren't overdoses. These are poisonings because people aren't no shooting up fentanyl. They're, they're taking what they think is a Xanax or a Percocet yeah. or 
you know, whatever Animal. drug of choice it is. Yeah, no. Okay. You know? You know what? I, you know, Kat, you'd be proud of me. I say this on the show a lot because I feel like they're kind of failing parents in the sense that when you characterize it as an overdose, a lot of parents associate that with, like, problematic runaway drug use. So they don't really mm-hmm. police the situation because they're like, well, my kid's not doing that level of drugs. But you're right to say yeah. it's a poison. A lot of these people are first-time drug users. Somebody wanted to write a term paper. Yeah. They took an Adderall and died. And uh, yeah. It's like it's really psychotic, and I have to get – it's it's a shame. I'm, you know, I've become the dad who has to lecture his kid, but I'm telling – I have one, you know, one son, Lincoln. He's 14. I have to tell him all the time, like, you actually – it sucks, pal, but you can't do drugs. I'm like, I grew up in a different era. <laughs> I'm not saying I was doing them, but I had plenty of options, and I would have survived all of them. We're not living in that world anymore, Cat Kamek. It's not good. Exactly. Um, exactly. And think about how readily they can get them. Yeah. I mean, Snapchat, you can literally get them on Snapchat. They're advertising to kids based on their location. Mm-hmm. Um, I have the CEO of TikTok coming into my office in a couple of hours. Mm-hmm. We're going to be talking about how TikTok has been helping drive this problem even further yep. uh, and wider than we ever thought it could instead of stopping so much of this ba- this behavior. But um, yeah. it's wild times we're living in, Jimmy. Now, is this TikTok CEO, hasn't he signed up for a, a grilling on the Hill also? Is that going down? He has. So Ooh. I feel Ooh. I feel pretty lucky. He uh, He's coming before the Energy and Commerce Committee. He agreed to one committee, uh, mm-hmm. and that was our committee of jurisdiction, mm-hmm. and he agreed to four hours. And so in two weeks, he will be doing the first and only congressional hearing, uh, and it's going to be one for the books. We've been preparing. I have spent way more time on TikTok than I would ever care to admit in preparing for <laughs> well, this hearing, and I feel dumber for having done it. Are you, um, <laughs> are you now addicted, addicted to lip syncing and choreographed dance routines? <laughs> Listen, it's the filters that got me. It's the filters that got me. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, if you've been on TikTok, uh, the people running it have now spent more time looking at your information than you have theirs because they <laughs> stole it. But that's another story. Yeah. My goodness, No kidding. Dynamic. Well, listen, here's the bottom line. Okay, I'm going to be in your hood. Uh, we can talk offline about this, but if you guys wind up being around, you're certainly welcome to come down and be our guest and hang out. But uh, this, listen, there's no pressure. We're going to sell it out. I'm kind of a big star now, you know. Uh, but Ooh. you know, I'm, I'm being. Hasn't gone to your head at all. No, no, it actually hasn't. I give myself a hard time. Believe me, the voice, the voice. <laughs> you know how it works for me, Cat Kamek. Just so you understand, and my audience knows this, the way I run, okay, in media and comedy and everything, is I actually have like a really abusive stage dad who lives in my head, and he calls me names all day. And then right before I go, I'm not kidding. So he's like, you know, you suck. What are you doing? No, how dare you gonna wear that? And then right before I go on TV, right before I go on TV, he'll be like, you look good, Michael. And then I'm Michael. Jackson and I can sing and dance and do all the stuff I need to do, you know, but that's oh, how it works. Wow. No, believe me, I don't walk around thinking I'm, I'm, I'm cool. I walk around in a flesh prison. I'm a crazy person, but I'm, you know, so, open enough about it. Go ahead. So it was Joe, right? Joe Jackson? Yes, of course. It's Joe of Jackson. Of course. So are we going to do like, are we, we going to do like the, the Jackson 5? Like, is that the, <laughs> the thing that we're going to do if I show up for this? Well, listen, you've watched enough TikTok videos. I mean, you're going to do it anyway at this point. <laughs> So grab your rhinestone glove, and I'll see you in Clearwater. You're the best, Cat Cameron. Hey, only if you wear those white boots and we new boot goofing. Hey, girl. It's going to happen. Talk hey. soon. There she <laughs> goes. The legendary, the one and only Cat Kamek. We love Cat Kamek. I don't know that she's coming to Clearwater, but you can come to Clearwater. There are tickets available. Capitol Theater. It's May 20th. It's a Saturday night. First gig of the Last in Liberty Tour is May 6th. 
Kennedy and I are going to be in Reading, Pennsylvania, May the 6th. If you're in the Reading area, if you're listening on PHT right now in Philly, hey, girl, come on down to Reading. Hang out with me in the K-Train. You have a wild time. See the champ do some stand-up. Kennedy does her thing. Kennedy's going to be on our show tomorrow. It's going to be a banger. Um, we're, we are, this is our contribution to political discourse and the media and everything in between. We are um, the party people. And what I mean by that is we can analyze these issues with anybody that you see on television. We follow this stuff. We've got to read the hell out of it to be able to cartoon it and have fun. But the contribution Kennedy and I are making to the universe is we're very much giving you in the news in a way that allows you to have your applesauce with the vitamins buried inside of it. So you don't even realize you're digesting as much hard news as you do when you're around us because we're silly. But we do that selfishly, not even for you, but for us. Like that is, you know, my coping mechanism. I think the world is horrible. It's in such a bad spot. So I've learned to laugh about a lot of the insanity as a way of coping with it and doing something productive with my time on the air. Uh, And that's kind of the olive branch we offer to you guys. You know, is that we're looking at this as, you know, I say all the time on the radio, the world's on fire, but we're just over here roasting some radio marshmallows. That's the hook. We're the port and the storm of insanity because everybody else is trying to make you crazy. We're just trying to keep things cool. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? The critics have spoken. Well, that was different. Yep, lousy, but different. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Bottom of the ninth on Fox Across America. My buddy Dion Baez here. There's a slob. There's a real slob. Oh, stop. That was a cheap shot. Dion Baez, good to see you. Good to see you. Thank you, sir. Now, folks listening outside the Fox News empire. Uh, need to know Dion Baia is um, he's kind of the wolf at Fox News. He makes every TV show here go round. Is that essentially what you do? Sure. Yeah. You're running the shows at, at, on a stage level. You're wiring people up for sound. You're making sure they know where they're going to go. Oftentimes you're on camera actually doing TV hits yourself. He yeah. does. He actually does it all. He's making paninis on the 42nd floor after this. He's the guy who trims Geraldo's mustache See. and is probably pound for pound as good of a drug connection as I have yeah. here at Fox. Yeah. I kid. But the point is Dion Baia, folks, is a friend of ours. You know when Donnie Brasco, I say he's a friend of mine, he's a local knockaround guy. But if I say he's a friend of ours, it may guy treat him with respect. He's very much a friend of ours. And Dion and I like to talk movies before I go on TV because of all the drops I play on the show. Did you think of a movie I need to be pulling sound from? Um, yes. Uh, let's see. You have a bunch, which you've already talked to me. We've yeah. talked about Stripes, which yes, you yes, I love Stripes. From. Yeah. yeah. Um, Clue. Ooh. 1985. So oh. many great little references in Clue. You know, little, little, yeah, little uh, hits. Little hits, one offs. Oh, wow. Uh, any Scorsese movie, which I think mm. you probably already have, like a taxi There's driver. There's a lot in here. There's a lot of taxi drivers. Uh, King of Comedy. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Goodfellas. Here's a great one in King mean of Comedy. Streets. When they're debating whether or not to put him on the air, they're talking to the lawyers. Jerry's been kidnapped. Yeah, and he yeah. goes, Harry, that's it. We're suing. What? We're going to sue. That's my favorite. The, whole, <laughs> the conversation goes sideways, and his yep. lawyer's like, oh, no, I'm suing everybody. Sue me. We sue, no, sue everybody. Yeah. We'll sue everybody. So I got to go to Clue. So if you guys are listening to the show next week and you start to hear drops from Clue, you know it was Dion Baia. Yeah. Um, where do you weigh in on Gung Ho? 
I know I've talked to you about this. I like Michael Gung-ho. Keaton movie, 1983. Fabulous. I haven't seen it in years. Oh, it it holds up ones. really well. Yeah, yeah. So Gung Ho is like one of those classic 80s comedies where the cultural misunderstandings yes. make for all the humor. It's almost like the the, the taking a Pell in one, two, three. Remember yes, the Walter Matthau with they're, they're escorting the Japanese guys around and they don't realize half the movie they speak English until you, the end. Do you want a great drop we play from this show? It happens a lot. <laughs> Whenever somebody like articulates like a far left policy I don't agree with, yeah. this is Gung Ho. This is a loony. Looney Tunes. That's all, folks. It's just stupid. Yeah. But it's atmosphere because I consider us atmospheric people. We're just trying to lend good energy to the vibe wherever we go. Is that not our contribution to society? Yeah, I completely agree. Your Honor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're just two guys trying to have a good time here. But the point is, if we add more atmosphere next week, you can thank Dion Baia uh, that we're going to go to Clue. Is there anything else you could think of really quick? I, I, go ahead. Dr. Strangelove, oldie but a goodie. Because of the time we're in, there's, you know, he'll see everything. He'll, he'll see the big board. Or, you know, like, <laughs> you know, there's so many good things in that movie. It's a little esoteric, but, right. you know. I'm going to go into that, and I'm going to get into The Killing from Stanley Kubrick because I've been uh, meaning to chop it up, and I haven't. A great movie. Sterling Hayden. Yes. Elijah Cook Jr. Oh, yes. Tim Carey. Yes, we live all that. All-time great, yeah. folks. Dion Baia stopped by. Thank Get you for Get him out of here. Get him out. I'm stopping. <laughs> He's the best. But we're out of here. we got to go. I will be on the Sean Hannity Show tonight at 9. If you wake up early, you'll see me on Fox and Friends first and the Faulkner Focus. Back on Hannity tomorrow night. But until then, be a Republican. Be a Democrat. Just don't be a... Cudlow on Fox Business is now on the go for podcast fans. Get key interviews with the biggest business newsmakers of the day. The Cudlow Podcast will be available on the go after the show every weekday at foxbusinesspodcasts.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.